Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We have been looking at spiritual warfare and we're looking at the pieces of armor now. We're up to the third one. We're looking at the war boots of the gospel of peace. That's what I've called it. And um, it is the third piece of our invincible armor that needs to be already on before we go to war. Now, remember again, the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, and let me read through from verses 14 to 15 and then 16 and 17, following a comment. He says, Stand therefore having, remember again, past tense, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, which we talked about last week or the last two weeks. Verse 15, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So notice all those three things are past tense. You need to already have them on before you go on to verses 16 and 17 where he says, Above all, taking the shield of faith. Notice the first three things are having. The next three things are taking. Amen? And so he says that, Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation. And can I add the word, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So those are three things we take, but only after we have already put on the other three things. So we are talking about the first three things, and we're on to the third of those three things, that we need to already be equipped with before we ever pick up any of the others. Alright, so let's look at what I like to call again the war boots of the gospel of peace. It's, it's almost like a paradox, you know. The war boots of peace. Get it? And never mind. Okay. <laughs> the readiness that is brought out in what the Apostle Paul says pictures us being ready with our war boots of the gospel of peace firmly planted on solid ground of the truth of the word of God to such a degree that the enemy is not going to be able to push us back. In fact, when we are this ready, we are actually set to advance. So, we need to look at what this is. What is it that we are meant to do? We, we've been looking at each of the pieces of armor, and I've been looking at it from the place where you need to have a revelation of it in order to move in it. This isn't about information. It's not about all the stuff you know, it's about what you're doing with what you know. So that's what I want to try and do. I want to make you ready to do. I want to equip you to actually go do something. Amen? And to do it correctly. <laughs> R. Kent Hughes writes, The spiritual lesson here is perfectly clear. It is the gospel of peace, the peace that comes to us in and through the gospel that makes us immovable in battle. Now returning to Ephesians 6.15, which says again, Stand therefore, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, we find that it is very similar to Romans chapter 10 and verse 15, which says, And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Now, let's start there. Notice that the tidings we are to bring are glad tidings, not bad ones. Amen? And they are to be of good things. And why the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.19, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. This is the wonderful message He has given us to tell others. Now, 
This is where it goes wrong. Alright? When you listen to stuff, generally, it's about, well, you know, God is into suffering. And God is into testing and trying you and everything else. That's not a gospel of peace. That's anything but peace. That's just a sort of gospel you want to get away from. And then they wonder, how come more people aren't getting saved? Boy, it's a real shock. No. (laughs) You know, we were just recently at something. And I can't mention names. But, you know, we were recently at something that the general message was to do with suffering. And it was a Christmas message. And I was thinking, where's the good news? You know, this is, uh, can I just say this? We have to be so careful what we're listening to. Because however we are taught and whatever we expect, that's what's going to come into our life. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing. The principle of faith coming by hearing and hearing can be applied to anything. So you can get faith for anything based on what you hear. There's a lot of weirdos out there that have faith for weird things because they've been hearing weird things. There are a lot of people that, are, that have faith for suffering because that's all they hear is about suffering. So they put their faith out for that. And you know, you know what Jesus is saying? Am I going to find any faith when I come to this earth? That's any good? I think is the last bit he was trying to say. Because people have faith, but it's not generally in God is a good God. It's more like, good God, what are you going to do today? <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. Amen? And we need to be really, really careful about those things. I'm bringing this out because this is a part of our warfare. Now, I want you to get a revelation on this. It is a warfare to bring good tidings. Listen, we don't get this still. We still don't understand how much bad tidings are coming from the church. Let alone from the atheist and everybody else. And we're losing that war. People don't want to listen to this stuff. Because, oh, you know, they're preaching a a gospel of prosperity and a gospel of this and all good things. Dude, that's what you get faith for. Whatever you listen for and listen to is what you start to believe and receive from God. And the Bible tells us that without faith it is impossible to please God. You know what? Let's just turn there. Uh, There's something there that you need to see. I didn't write it down, so we need to go there. Go to Hebrews quickly, please. Hebrews chapter 11. Notice what it says in verse 6. He says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, i.e. that He exists, and, and nobody preaches this part, that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Listen, family, notice what the faith is to be in. That He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. That He blesses you for going after Him. Amen? And so what? (laughs) Even the message that I heard yesterday said the exact opposite. It's like everybody suffered. You know, the wise men had to run off and run for their lives in a different direction. Last I heard, they weren't running. You know, you can't do a lot on camels or elephants or whatever they came on, you know. They didn't come on steeds. Amen. And if the Roman army was after them, they would have gone, man. Are you kidding the Roman army? Three wise men or a couple of wise guys? No. (laughs) Okay. There's no way they're going to escape the Roman army. Forget about that. 
God's protection was all over that. And it was really sad that that aspect wasn't brought out. Amen. And it was the same thing about Mary and Joseph. You know, they're running for their lives and everything else. And yes, their lives were in danger, but God's protection was there. There were a couple of angels that were so huge. I mean, feel sorry for the army. Remember what happened with the Israelites? When Pharaoh decided he was going to take God on? It didn't end well for them. Their whole army died that day. You're here. It was a smart thing that the Romans didn't pursue that one. Amen. Otherwise, there would be the end of the Roman Empire then. That would be full stop there. They chased him and they died. You know, that would have been it. And let's move on to the next thing. We really need to understand these things because a lot of times we think that we're the ones that are on the defensive, that we're the ones that need to be running for our lives, and we've got to stop preaching that stuff. We are the ones in a place of strength. We have the advantage. We feel sorry for the other guy, not for ourselves. And that's what I truly believe, the body of Christ, the biggest problem we have with this message is we keep feeling sorry for ourselves. And usually it's because we get bad teaching, and from bad teaching comes a wrong lifestyle, and we expect all the wrong things, if I could put it that way, so we get all the wrong things, then it reconfirms the stuff, all the wrong stuff we believe, and then we preach that to everybody else. You know, you can't preach what you don't have. Amen. I preach this because this is how I live and what I believe. And I'm looking for more. This isn't over yet. People think I'm extreme. Sweetheart, I haven't even started yet. That stuff I could tell you would curl your hair if it was straight, and straighten it if it was curly. You know. You know know what I'm trying to say? There are still things, because we still haven't got to the greater works yet. I'm still trying to get us to the works. And boys, that's a battle in itself. With all the stuff that people are preaching out there. Amen. Anyway, let's get back to this. But isn't it interesting that Hebrews says, without faith it is impossible to please God. And one of the things that we must believe is that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Amen. So next time the devil comes and whispers something stupid in your ear, or uses some idiot preacher to preach, sorry about that, but I can say that because I'm here, okay, (laughs) to preach to you that God is testing and trying you, switch it off. Can I just say this? I decided, when I received that scripture, when I looked at that, I asked myself a question. What do I want to be judged for? Saying bad things about God or good things about God? I mean, that's a stupid question, but that's the question. And I realized, you know, I'd much rather get judged for saying too many good things about Him than say anything bad and get it wrong. And I'd much rather you think all the good things about God than think anything bad And not just get it wrong, but get your life wrong. Amen. Alright, let's continue. Ephesians chapter 6 and Romans actually comes from an Old Testament scripture. It's in Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 7. I love the scripture in Isaiah. It says, How beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of Him who brings good news, who proclaims peace. Who brings good news... And who proclaims peace. See, we need to understand. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, Can I just go back there for a minute? God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. 
See, that was the good news. That's the news we are meant to be preaching. Not join our religion. If, you, if, if anybody says join a religion, don't. You're just trading one religion in for another. Enough of that. Listen to what this is saying. The Creator, God, was reconciling. He was taking back everything that was lost in the fall. Back to Himself. And that He was no longer holding people's sin against them. Do you know the only sin that sends people to hell right now? It isn't all the bad stuff you do. Here's the good news. Your good life or bad life isn't going to get you to heaven. The one thing that will get you to heaven is receiving the gift of God, which is Jesus Christ. He Himself came down. See, Jesus isn't some prophet or some man. It was God in the flesh. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Amen? So, we understand that God Himself came down in human form. That's why it's not like you pick the religion you want. It's God Himself, the Creator, came down and said, Okay, I'm down here to rescue all of you. Which is why He was having such a problem with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they're saying, Oh, you're blaspheming. Going, shut up. The people who are blaspheming are you. You are actually... You know, isn't it funny? They were trying to protect God's interest. They weren't actually. It was their own interest. And fighting God to do it. You know, Jesus, when He came, He drew a dividing line. And He says, the thief comes... In John 10.10. 10, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. He said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. He says to one of His disciples, Philip sort of... Says, at one point in time says, show me the Father. And Jesus says, have I not been with you so long? that To see me is to see the Father. Which means everything I say is reflecting what the Father is thinking. And what the Father is saying. He said, I and the Father are one. Are you getting this? So that's the reason why, you know, this isn't about religion. This isn't about joining another religion. This is about God came down here to rescue His creation. And He's telling us, you need to go and tell people, I'm not holding their sin against them anymore. That's the good news. So you don't have to do good to get in. Just receive Him. That's why you mustn't make salvation complicated. I love the way the Apostle Paul puts it. In fact, let's turn there for just a minute. This is what the gospel is, by the way. This is what you're meant to show your faith with. That's why I'm giving it all to you. Amen? If you don't know this and you don't know what this gospel is, he says here that if you confess, I'm in Romans 10.9, that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay, let's see what it doesn't say. <laughs> that if you confess with your mouth all the sins you have committed, and you better make sure you get all of them, because if you miss one, that might send you to hell. And, let's add a few more things to it, and you have to give up all your wealth, you have to give up all your money, because money is the root of all evil. Isn't that what the Bible says? No! Says the love of money is the root of all. You can love anything. Notice all the stuff it doesn't say. It doesn't say all the things that usually preachers preach when they're trying to get people saved. You had to give this up and let go of that and forsake this and yada yada yada. I mean, dear God, thank God that wasn't in this verse. Look at the two things. It just says two very simple things. This is the good news. It says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that means receive Jesus as Lord. Simple as that, okay? 
And believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. You don't want to worship another dead God. You need to know this one is alive. That's it. You call him Lord, you know he's alive, you are saved. Want to hear the good news again? You call him Lord, you know he's alive, he's dead, and you're saved. Yes, brother, no, 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 shut up. You call him Lord, you believe he is alive, and you're saved. Ta-da! Oh, and I'm out of, I'm out of the picture. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I have to behave myself for the camera. <laughs> Do you get this? People say, oh, I don't know if that person was saved, you know, when they died. You just call him Lord. means you know he was alive, because you don't want to talk to dead people. It's not like the movie, oh, I talk to dead people. Okay, whatever. Okay, this, the, the only way you can say that is to know that God raised him from the dead. You all here? Okay, so that's it. This, the moment you call him Lord, you're saved. So don't tell me who got in and who didn't. You don't know what happened in that last moment. This is how simple God made it. The religious world took something this simple and complicated it. Which is so sad. And it's no longer good news, it's complicated news. And you have to do all these things and know all these things to get saved. But nobody's going to get saved like that. Can I just say this? Get in, then we can teach you stuff. But let's not make it so complicated to get in. That you never ever get to the place where you need to learn anything. And besides that, you can't learn anything before you get in because you're spiritually dead. Amen. The Bible says it's foolishness to those that are outside because they have no spiritual insight. So how can you explain it all to them, get them to understand all the consequences before they come in? Just get them in. Like somebody once said, don't try to clean the fish before you catch it. Amen. That's a terrible analogy, but you understand. Okay, we're not trying to catch anybody. All we're doing is trying to let people know there's not a problem between you and God anymore. So don't sweat it. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That's what you shod your feet with. Not all the stuff of, oh, now come on in and let's suffer together. Go home. We don't need your kind of help. Amen? All right, are you getting this? I need you to get this because you need to understand, family, why this is such a war now. Why this is a piece of the armor. Because of all the opposition that comes against it, and you need to fight through all of that. All of the misconceptions, all of the bad teaching, all of the things everybody is saying out there to preach this message. It's simple and it's good. Amen? Doesn't take forever to get in. You can sneak in, nobody will know. Hey, it's between you and God. Don't ever think that you have to come up to a preacher and say that you said all this stuff to actually get saved. At any point in time, when you have the revelation or you understand, wow, that was God. He came down in the flesh. That's who Jesus was. I think I want Him in my life. You're in. Yeah, but don't I have to know you're in? But the church under it, no, you're in. Now learn. Now grow. Now see what that entails. Because there's some fantastic stuff that comes after it. Regardless of what other people say. Okay? <laughs> Amen. Do you know one of the reasons, can I just say this? Again, in line with all of this. One of the reasons I didn't get saved long before than when I did, was because of all the garbage people were preaching. I was happy to be a little Buddhist back then. You know, you burn stuff, it smells nice. 
Burnt the house down almost. Never mind, that didn't smell so nice. But you know, <laughs> um, no, I won't tell you that story. But <clears throat> you know, I used to enjoy all that stuff, and it was peaceful and calm. And you listen to Christians preaching, and it's you know God's going to test you and try you and hurt you and kill your cat and do everything bad to you. Do you want to get saved? No, I think I'm already there. Safe from him. <laughs> Amen. And then one day I really heard the good news. It was actually good. <laughs> Made me happy. And I got saved. I came in and then the news got bad. And I thought I didn't sign up for this. What happened to God so loved the world? Now he's attacking me. Seriously, you know, we, we, we preach paradoxes. We preach things that don't make sense. We say, God so loved you. Come in, come in. And as soon as you come in, He's going to try you and test you. And He just, let's see how much you really love Him. Gee, thanks. What the heck is this? It's like the witch's house. Eat the candy, come in. Then they put you in the furnace. Hello. Anybody seen a Hansel and Gretel? Anyway, okay. Seriously, that's kind of what the church is like. It's great on the outside until you come in. They invite you and pet you on the outside, but they beat you on the inside. Family, that's got to stop. Amen? They need to know it gets better when you come in, not worse. Oh, there's stuff that you should be looking at going, wow, one day I want to aspire to that. Amen? You know, we should be teaching people how to receive from God, how to lay hands on the sick, how to go somewhere and eat something that everybody else ate, and while they're getting sick, you're not. How to walk a life that is so extraordinary that people just, you don't have to preach it, you're living it. That's why it says that our lives need to be epistles. We need to live out what we preach. It's when we're living it out that people see and go, what is that? How come you're the only one that seems to just ride above everything? Now you're preaching. Amen? Now you can say something that will then make sense. Now they might reject it a little bit to begin with, but your life is undeniable. See, you can argue with words, but you can't argue with the life. Did you get that? Amen. All right. Bible commentator Arkent Hughes says this, Those who first have peace with God, and then the resulting peace of God girding their feet, are powerful soldiers in the spiritual battle. No matter what the enemy throws at them, no matter what move the enemy makes, they hold their ground. Now, what we see from this is that the gospel or the good news of peace is actually referring to two main areas. Peace with God and the peace of God. I've got five minutes, I'll introduce this, we'll pick it up next week. Alright? There are two things you need to know. You need to understand that you have peace with God in order to flow in the peace of God. Do you know the difference? Well, that's why you're here. (laughs) Okay? In Luke chapter 2 and verse 14, let's begin there. So we can't have the peace of God if we don't have peace with God first. In Luke chapter 2 verse 14, this is why this, this announcement was so amazing. The angel comes and says, Glory to God in the highest. We sing it at Christmas. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. That's women as well. 
Okay? Notice, he says, peace, goodwill. Not hatred and bad will. Again, the angels don't preach the stuff that a lot of preachers preach. Amen. Can I get an amen on that? I need an amen on that one. Isn't it interesting that none of the angels preach any of the stuff we preach? I don't say we here, but you know, we in the collective church. They come with peace and good tidings. I don't think they come to very many churches at all. I mean, hope they're here. <laughs> you know, they probably think, oh yeah, we're going there, man. That's got a good message there. Yeah, yeah, we don't have to put our wings over our ears all the time. So we can actually listen to this stuff, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? Let me just share this with you. Do you know the Bible actually says that the angels can't wait to see what is going to come from the inside of us? Can I say that's the stuff that's getting preached out there? That's the stuff that's still to come. That's the greater works that Jesus said is going to start to come out of this new creation where all things are new and all things are of God and the way that they get surprised by God all the time. Did you know that? There's not one angel in heaven that yawns. Do you get what I said? There's a lot of people in churches that yawn. But there's not one angel in heaven that yawns. Do you know why? Because what's coming out of God is always new. And always full of life. It is the life that Jesus said, I came to give it to you now. Not some useless little thing down here. It is meant to be life that is so incredible that when Peter was walking and just anybody within the length of his shadow, his shadow didn't heal anybody, okay? It wasn't a Peter Pan thing, okay? That's not his last name, Pan, okay? It's Peter, but it's a different Peter, okay? <laughs> anybody in the vicinity of his shadow, there was so much life pouring out of him that it would heal people in that radius, that's what the angels are wanting to see. Can I say this to you? We don't have record, not that I know of anyway, and I might be wrong on this one, but we don't have any record of any angel healing anyone. The devil can't heal anyone. Yeah, he was an angel. Yes, he was this and that and everything else. He was a cherub. He was not the cherub. He was the cherub that messed up, but he was a cherub. There are other ones around the throne of God. Amen. Amen. And you know what? None of them healed. As powerful as they are, they can't heal. Interesting, isn't it? And yet Jesus said, you do this. You lay hands on the sick. They will recover. You can do something that they can't. Amen. What else are we meant to be doing that they can't? That they are going to look and go, wow, look at that. We didn't know they could do that. How is that possible? Anybody got to... <laughs> okay. That's what should be happening, not, oh, do you have another throw-up bag, please? <laughs> it's another one of them sermons. I think they are tired of some of the stuff that people have been preaching. It isn't a gospel of peace. It isn't good news. They're still waiting for the good news. Are you all here? And we need to start preaching that. Let's make the news so good that people can't wait to say yes. Not they're looking for a way out every chance they get. Amen? I have more to say to you, but we'll have to continue this next week. We have run out of time. I need you to understand that this is a war. These are the war boots, the gospel of peace. It is a war trying to get this message out there. It is a real battle. 
Amen? And you know what? You need to preach this. You need to share this. You don't need to religionize people, and please don't do that. People have had enough of religion. They just need to know that God's not mad with them anymore. You just have to say yes to the part of Him that came down to die for them. That's it. And they're in. You don't have to join a church. You don't have to change this or change that. That's, it is a heart decision. We don't need sign papers. Your heart signs the document. That's the end of it. And it's up to you who you tell. Sometimes, can I say this? It's smarter not to say. Because every time somebody got saved, you know, in the churches I came from, <gasps> go tell everybody. And the next thing, there's a fallout, and there's all kinds of... You don't give God... See, it says, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We don't get stupid when we get saved. We might get excited, but please, don't trade in your brains. <laughs> Amen. Seriously. It saddens me how people's IQ crashes and burns when they get saved. That doesn't make God happy. God isn't into stupid. You be smart. You have just joined His family. He is the originator of intelligence. We are to have the mind of Christ. Not the mind of a donkey or an owl. They're really stupid. You know why as owls? There's no such thing. They're the most stupidest creatures on the planet, basically. You don't believe me? Go look at an encyclopedia. Next time somebody says they're wise as an owl, say, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> okay. Alright, getting off point. Let's finish here. <laughs> Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Well, Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Father, for this good news. We thank you, Father, that you help us to focus. Help us.